that's the weird thing with Andy Serkis is that, like, obviously he's proven himself as a director. He's a phenomenal actor, like, not even talking about mo motion capture. Like, I love yeah, him in The Prestige. And he was great as Alfred in the new Batman movie. Yeah. Um, and then you add in all this, and then, like, you go even further than this in Lord of the Rings. What he did in King Kong, I don't know if you ever saw the, the King Kong remake. The Not only did Peter I Jackson. see it, I saw it three times in the movie theater. Oh, and like I, when that movie came out, no, I don't think anyone knew it was a man portraying like all the motion capturing for Kong. And then you got all this behind the scenes footage release that's on YouTube and stuff. And like what he's doing is ri ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why he's like famous. I, I'm, I imagine all that kind of trickled down into him getting Planet of the Apes because he does a lot of like animal stuff and what was the other one he did um he uh i don't know if he's technically credited as it but i know he helped what's his face with the second hobbit movie to be the dragon oh uh, okay like he was kind of behind that he was like a consulting uh, oh it wasn't he um he was second unit director on the hobbit movies wasn't he he might have been i don't know for a fact that sounds right but i don't want to confirm that I think he was second unit. I'm try I'm looking at his IMDb right now. He's got so many credits. I'm trying to figure out which one's like acting and which one's second unit directing. Second okay, unit we... directing. Yeah, he second unit directed all three of the Hobbit movies. We'll keep IMDb up because you'll be our official uh, fact checker for, for this episode. <laughs> okay, right on. Sounds good. Uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. The voice you're hearing is Chris. Uh, you probably recognize him from the viewer's cut. He joined us a few times. How many episodes did you end up doing, Chris? Uh, including the lost episode. Uh, well, we don't talk about the lost episode. <laughs> Jake Eagle has brought up a few times. It may see the light of day eventually, but no, not yeah. the, not the lost episode. Uh, definitely somewhere between three and five, something like that. Yeah, because you joined us for the the finale. You gave us your hidden gems. You yeah, kicked I it did off Indiana with Indiana Jones. Yes, and you kicked it off with Tarantino, which was, in my opinion, one of our best episode. It was it was it was so much fun, and Breaking Bad as well with you and Jake. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar, yep. So yeah, welcome back. It's great to have you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for the, bringing me on. As you can uh, probably uh, you know, figure out, we're talking Andy Serkis, and uh, we're going to be focusing on the, the reboot uh, trilogy, uh, the Planet of the Apes movies that came out uh, 2011, 2014, and 2017. Uh, I, I think I'm going to... I don't know for a fact. I believe you watched all three movies in preparation, Chris. I did. I watched oh, them all okay. in the last like handful of days. I don't know how I squeezed them all in. It's been a busy <laughs> week, but I did. Yes, I, and I was able to watch them as well, so I'm excited. Uh, we're just going to talk about each movie, what we like, what we didn't like. Um, I got some stuff written here as well, just some excuse me, statistics of these movies, and obviously Chris has IMDb ready to go in case we have to check anything. So... Um, I just want to start off, Chris, because uh, I don't actually know this. I don't think we've ever talked about it. Do you have any nostalgia or any relationship with the original Planet of the Apes movies? No, I have. I've seen the very first one with Charlton Heston, and yeah. obviously, I saw the. I think the first one I saw was the Mark Wahlberg, Tim Burton one. Oh right, right. Uh, I honestly don't really remember much of that. I remember some stuff in my head. I remember Tim Roth being good in that movie as one of the apes. But well, it's um, a, yeah, 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 and like Michael Clark go. Duncan's in it, like Paul Paul Giamatti, like the, the cast is really weird. <laughs> all the people, yeah, that yeah. Games. Well, I remember them all being good. I remember watching it and being like, "Oh, this is interesting." As a kid, like I'm sure if I were to watch it now, I think it'd be trash. But 
because uh, I know it's got a reputation for not being a good movie, but uh, I remember enjoying it. Like at the time, I would have been somewhere around 10 years old. So, you know, it's pretty easy to impress a 10 year old with like talking monkeys and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, the the original uh, franchise is like the, the original five movies in the franchise are interesting. I remember watching them like they were on TV all the time. My dad really enjoyed them. Like I, I remember the first one, you know, the most. Uh, everyone does. It's iconic, and the ending obviously. And then yeah. you got Beneath, um, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, and Battle for the Planet of the Apes. And what's interesting about this new trilogy is it did take some stuff from those movies. I know Dawn and War both took a lot from the last one, Battle, I believe. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah, and Rise took a little bit from Conquest about... uh, I, I don't know if they get really into, like, the the um the like the the virus and all that kind of stuff because I, I don't remember like the the last few i don't remember like anything i but, don't remember any of the virus i've only seen that charlton s one but I, and the tim roth one but i don't remember anything about viruses yeah well it's weird because you have the original one with charlton heston and then the iconic ending then you have the second one beneath where a new character comes in and they they are still on the island and then the third one is time travel two apes travel uh, I forget, I'm pretty sure it's back in time, and then they have a kid, and then I, I believe it's Cornelius is the main one, and then he has a kid named Caesar, who oh. leads the revolt, uh, I think, in the fourth and fifth one. Again, I am talking up my ass. I don't know if I nailed that at all, but it's something Well, Cornelius is a very specific name. Like, when they were yeah. dropping that name, I was like, that seems like a very specific um, reference. Yes, and they flip it in these ones. Caesar obviously has, and his his kid and his youngest kid, I believe, is Cornelius. Um, yeah, yeah, the baby is Cornelius. Yeah, and, um, yeah, so... And isn't it at the end of the... I only knew about the name Caesar. I don't know how it plays in the old Charlton Heston movies. It sounds like the Caesar character doesn't come in until later on. But I remember, doesn't the Tim Burton movie end with Caesar? Like, he's the one mimicking, um, like, the Lincoln statue? I think that's Tim, Tim Roth's character, whoever he's playing, I believe. Oh, okay. It might, again, I have no idea. I I can neither confirm nor deny that, (laughs) but I did um, know, I did know prior to these movies, like, like that's like somewhat like cultural canon is like Caesar is like the, the main ape or whatever. Well, it's, it's good too, because these movies, the, the, the reboot that we're going to talk about, they did really good at uh, making it their own, but having little Easter eggs throughout, and I'll, we'll talk about a couple as we go through. Um, and my last thing before we, you know, well, I, I guess it'll segue into Rise anyway. Um, how weird was it watching Rise uh, just basically getting out of a pandemic or the tail end of a pandemic? Because there's a virus that gets spread in a lab and the human race is pushed to extinction. <laughs> I thought, well, so I watched Dawn first. I watched rise yeah. last. Cause I know rise has like, is not, is the weakest of the three movies. Yeah. But I thought the opening of Dawn did like an unbelievable job, like post COVID watching. Oh, that right. I didn't even intro. clue into that. Yeah. The whole intro. Yeah. And it's, because that whole Rock, intro yeah. is spot on with what we've dealt with for the last yeah. two and a half, three they're years. They're wearing and masks. I was like, they're quarantined. Well, they talk yeah. about quarantine lockdowns yeah. making everyone go crazy and stuff. And you're like, oh, my God, these guys fucking nailed it. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, yeah, in Rise, it's pretty crazy, too. And the coughing up of blood and stuff like that. But I thought that intro to Dawn, that like two, three minute intro of like recapping everything was like, holy shit. They fucking nailed this. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. um, 
Yeah, like, and, and I, because it's right at the end of Rise where the one guy yeah. goes to the airport, then he has the virus, and then he starts spreading it when he starts flying. The over. Rise is clearly the poorest written, because, like, that guy, like, he gives himself away, like, when, uh, I think it's when John Lithgow goes to his car and, like, crashes the car. Yeah. And he's like, I'm, I'm a pilot. I gotta work tomorrow. Like, what a, like, <laughs> terrible piece of dialogue that's like, oh, okay, you're gonna spread the virus all over the world kind of thing. Well, that's actually a good place to start. So, yeah, we'll, we'll start with Rise. Um, it's – I don't think they knew what they had. I, I don't think they expected uh, the success that Rise was going to be. I think they were just kind of dabbling with this uh, this franchise and seeing what uh, the reception would be like because when you watch all three in succession, you can tell for sure it is the – it's the weakest director, obviously. Matt Reeves yeah. proved himself to be a better director. But you're right with the script. It's a little more on the nose and a little more cheese. But Definitely. surprisingly, there's a lot of good stuff still in it. And I think they probably at some point realized that, wow, we should try to take this a little more seriously. Because Andy Serkis gives a powerhouse performance. John Lithgow is great. James Franco's fine. Like, he's not bad. He's pretty standard James yeah. Franco. Like, I hadn't seen these movies in a while, and when when I watched it, I was like, oh, that's pretty, like... Yeah. It's weird that he took on that role. It doesn't seem like a James Franco role. It's, it does stand out a little bit. Obviously, if you had someone different, it could have maybe been stronger, but I still feel the relationship with him and Caesar in it. Like, it did a yeah. good enough job. Um, do you remember... I, I think I brought this up to you a few times. Do you remember seeing this in the theater? Because you and I saw it together. Okay, I don't remember... I definitely saw all these movies in the theater. I don't remember seeing it with you, though. Like, where did we see it? In Thunder Bay? So, it came out in 2011, and that yeah. would have been our first summer. I believe it was released in the summer. I don't know. But it would have been our first summer after meeting in film school, and I came up to Cambridge, and me, you, and your brother went to see it. Oh, okay. Right on. Yeah, and again, we... I, I don't... I, like, I, I didn't know if you liked Planet of the Apes. I kind of liked them. Like I said, I watched them with my dad when I was younger, and we just kind of went because, like, you're always down to go see a movie, and I don't know who pitched it, but we just went, and your brother went, and we all kind of walked out. We're like, oh, okay, that, that was actually pretty good. It was fun. Yeah, that well, that era of my life, I was constantly going. I Like, I went to the – from, like, all my high school years and into the college years – I went to the movie theater, I think, almost every weekend, and I was, like, one of those movie fans that would usually go see whatever the pop movie was of the week, yeah. especially with the summer movies and stuff. Well, yeah, so just quickly on this. So it was directed by Rupert Wyatt, who I don't know who that is. Yeah, um, I was looking him up after I watched the first movie because I was like, what else has this guy done? And I am not super familiar with his catalog. I've heard good things. He he, One of his more recent directing is uh he did a couple episodes of um a show called the mosquito coast on apple tv oh, okay. uh, which i've heard good things about i haven't seen it uh, but other than that i don't think i've seen he's only got a handful of directing credits to his name and i have not seen any of these other movies yeah and like just looking at it so like it was a budget of 93 million dollars which is incredible for like something oh that's pretty good kind of out of nowhere and it made 481 million dollars like it was a huge hit and yeah, especially for that time frame, like for that um, time in history, like before you're getting to billion dollar movies, like that would have yeah. been yeah. And like uh, the the moment for me, and we can go back and forth with moments we liked and we didn't like. The the moment for me that sold me on the movie, where I was kind of back and forth, like it was good, it was fine, it never lost me. 
But uh, obviously they pay homage to the famous Charlton Heston line and it gets your paws off me, you damn dirty ape. Yeah. And you have freaking Malfoy from Harry Potter in there. And yeah. it leads up to the moment when Caesar speaks for the first time. And I remember being in the theater when he res- when Malfoy says it to him and he replies, no, but he screams. Our, our theater went silent. You could drop. Yeah, I remember reacting when I watched the movie too. I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember like remembering that was like super intense." When that yeah, happened. it was an earned moment. I'm like, "Holy moly!" And then he beats him up, and then they start chanting and whatever. And then the whole third act on the bridge. I'm like, "Wow!" Like this. And then you, you, I forgot they introduced Koba in this one and his relationship. I, I with also humans. forgot that too. Like, uh, like after watching, so I watched two, three, and one. Like I said, and the Koba stuff is so good, and I totally. I totally didn't remember Koba in the first movie, and same with Rocket. I knew Marie, I knew uh, Maurice was in the first one, obviously, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't, I didn't remember any of the Koba stuff. So that, though, I thought all that was great. Yeah, and like, uh, like I said, the stuff with James Franco is good. There's a good relationship, and John Lithgow again gives. It doesn't matter what he's in. He's so convincing and what he's going like, at least the movie pulls on the heartstrings enough where you care about Definitely. what James Franco was trying to do. And then you see all these people in the labs and you see their treatment of animals and it like it, it's it really does a good job. And Don does it better and we'll get to it, but really making the humans the antagonist in it. Yeah, well, I thought they were trying to make like it almost felt like the rise was from the point of view of the humans mostly, and then yeah. you get these snippets of Caesar, and that's where I think Matt Reeves killed it with the other two. Is like he made he clearly made Caesar the main character of the following two, and like the humans are like the side characters. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, what was your question before that? I totally blanked. I don't think I asked a question. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> I think we were just. I was just saying some things I liked, and I and I thought that was my most re, my most recent rewatch. I'm like, yeah, like this is really setting up. I don't think the humans are evil, but humans are definitely known for doing some bad things, <laughs> specifically with animals and like animal cruelty and all that. And it's just like, oh man, I'm kind of team ape. <laughs> by the end of this oh, movie. well i was teammate well i thought don did it the best with oh like, for making sure you feel for both sides yeah uh but i felt with rise like the human characters were like some of the most uninteresting characters like the classic corporate boss like i yeah. just need to make money and blah 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 like yeah john lithgow's the one you feel i feel like if it weren't for john lithgow the whole james franco thing would like uh, james franco is like pretty boring overall i would say in that movie yeah. like how fast tracked his relationship is with uh, Frida Pinto and stuff like that. Like the, like at one point it goes three years later and then like within, it feels like within 10 minutes it goes five years later. And like, it just felt like lazy screenwriting there, but John Lithgow sells that whole um, side of the story to me. Oh like, yeah. If yeah, it yeah. weren't for, if it weren't for him and his performance, like I would almost disregard all the human stuff entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's almost like Rise is a is pretty black and white, and especially yeah. Dawn, uh, Dawn and War, but especially Dawn, you really get in that gray area where, like you said it before, where you're kind of back and forth. Where, it, it, and and we'll talk about it more when we get to Dawn, but Rise is definitely setting its it really the characters are the the human characters at the forefront. But it, again, it's in the title, the, the, the rise of the apes, uh, becoming more and more prominent. You get to know them more. Like you only get to know a handful of them, uh, in mm-hmm. rise, 
but uh, it all falls on Andy Serkis, and I remember being amazed. And the the, the motion capturing in these three movies gets better in each one, and Definitely. like it, it's 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 incredible. And I, I like that contrast with the original Plan of the Apes, and you could throw Tim Burton's in there as well. But like top of the line uh, makeup and costumes and everything in the original '60s Plan of the Apes, like some of the best stuff. I think it won an Academy Award. And then you mm-hmm. contrast it with this in the modern age we're in now with technology, and just again top of the line, like some of the best that. Uh, that we've we've seen it and it's all it's only improved since then like the rise is over 10 years old already like it's insane i know that's insane well watching dawn and war in particular like you wonder why like war is a, a five plus year old movie at this point like how has no one perfected animals this closely like war has like i feel yeah. like you know i just watched prey for example and there's anim- cg animals in that movie that like look nowhere near as good as the monkeys Mm -hmm. in war. And I know I'm sure the budget has something to do with it for sure. But like, even like when you think of like black Panther, like I remember all the CG like animals towards the end of that movie. And like, and then you watch war that's five plus years old. It's kind of like what they say about Jurassic park and jaws where you're just like, how do these movies look so good? And they're so old. And then all these modern movies kind of look like shit for the most part. So I thought they did an unreal job uh, across all three movies, particularly the last two. My only real negative with Rise, and I've talked about this before, and that, like with my type, my style of, of movies and pacing and all that, what I like, um, I would have actually preferred it to be a little bit longer. Again, you mentioned the two time jumps in it. Um, mm-hmm. Just because uh, it compared to the other two, it's the shortest runtime, and I, I would have been fine with another 10, 15 minutes to maybe flesh something more out. But like I said, I, I don't think they quite knew what they had with this. They probably didn't expect this much success from it. There's no way they were expecting to make almost $500 million. No, I'm guessing the director is like, I don't even know what he had to his name at the time. Like he only had one or two movies under his belt. So it felt like it, the studio probably messed with that movie a little bit. Uh, just looking to see here at his directing credits. Like Rise is his third feature film. So he was fairly new. Yeah. And I'm guessing this is his biggest budgeted film at the time. So yeah, it felt like the studio kind of meddled in this movie a little bit versus it seemed like based on what I read about the other two movies and like with Matt Reeves and seeing where Matt Reeves has gone to at this point, like he really had control over the whole thing versus this one felt like yeah studio people meddled Mm -hmm. in it a little bit well just to wrap up rise i have uh, just some scores here so uh, a really solid rotten tomato score of 82 and Mm -hmm. audience score of 77 and then uh, to include with this as well is the adam score and i'll be asking for the (laughs) chris score so after my probably third or fourth time watching it um i'm at a solid b plus um, like an eight out of 10. Like I have, I have, I'm, I was totally engaged in it. I enjoyed it again. It's the weaker of the three for sure, but it's a good intro into this world. And I think the performances of Andy circus and John Lithgow, keep it up higher. You eliminate them. It would go down to it like a pretty solid, like just B movie, fine, whatever, forgettable. But because yeah. of those performances and obviously the sequels, it builds this movie up a lot. So I was totally happy with it. I think it, it holds up well for being ten years old. Yeah, well, I and again having watching the having watched this one last, I thought all the 
baggage from the later two movies, like seeing how it all kind of began, made this movie better for me. Yeah. Yeah, for totally. sure. I don't know if I would call it an eight out of 10 per se. Like realistically, I liked all these movies. Obviously we're going to talk a million ways about Dawn. Um, <laughs> and like, to me, like, uh, realistically, I'll probably never watch rise again. Like it's kind of a bland movie to me. Like it's, it's not bad, but it's not overly good. Like, yeah, I, I don't see myself revisiting that one anytime soon, but Dawn, like, uh, I didn't get a chance to, but I almost wa- I wanted to watch Dawn with my son. I know he's a little on the younger side, but he watches a lot. Of- we watch somewhat mature stuff. And he can fuck it. It's so good. Who cares? And I think he would have loved that movie. And like the, that Dawn is on the list of movies that like, I can't wait to show Noah and like, yo, you want to see a dope movie? Like this is going to be one for sure. Well, that's a great segue. So let's get to, uh, the movie. We're probably both most excited to talk about. Um, I first want to start off and I have my story. Like I, like it was, it was incredible. Do you remember where, when you saw this? Did anything amazing happen when you saw it? Uh, so it sounds like we didn't see this one together. No, <laughs> we did not. <laughs> okay, right. I do remember seeing it in the theater and not having the highest expectations going into it. It's one of those movies where you're like, again, I was going to see all these pop movies roughly around this time. Yeah. And then uh, you go into it. I always uh, research movies going into them if I was pretty excited. I love Andy Serkis. Uh, I know it was like a big deal at the time that they were doing motion capture on location and like how much work went into just that aspect of the movie. Um, and I remember going into it, not thinking too much about it and then being just blown away on the way out, just being like, holy crap, that was an amazing movie. Well, it's, it's incredible too. Cause like the budget basically doubled up to 170 million and yeah. it made a freaking ridiculous 710 million dollars <laughs> yeah and which is still pretty good i don't even know if we had a billion dollar movie at that point yet i guess me oh yeah i guess the avengers in 2012 yeah and but like still, 710 is pretty good 2014 was a huge action year because I, I i stand to be corrected but i, I believe uh edge of tomorrow came out that year captain that america great. winter soldier um yep. x-men days of futures past i believe was okay. in 2014. So it was a big, big summer blockbuster year. And yeah. this movie comes in and just annihilates it. So quickly, my story, before we get into it. I was interning in Toronto. And it was a Saturday or Sunday. It was a matinee. And I hopped on my bike, because obviously I was living in Toronto and didn't own a car. And I biked to the most random theater in Toronto. I don't even remember where it was. It was about a 20-minute bike ride from where I was staying. And it was like a one or two o'clock showing. There was like five people in the theater. Like oh, wow. it was, and I, I love, like, again, there are certain movies I want to crowd, you know, Endgame, stuff like that, Rocky and all that. I want chanting and woohoo and all that. But going to see this in that environment was awesome. Cause I felt alone. I didn't really see, and I didn't acknowledge anyone in the theater with me. There might have been ten people in there, but it was dead. <laughs> right on. And I was so engaged in this movie, just like you. I had no expectations. I didn't really know Matt Reeves. I know he did Let Me In, which I really liked. Um, I think I saw Let Me In after I watched this movie. Okay. So I was like, holy shit! I gotta very, see what this other guy's movie is. And as we learned with Batman, he's a very good character director. He loves characters, even as big of his as as movies get. He's, he he lo- and I'm like I go into this I'm like okay so 
like, what am I going to get in this movie? Because obviously I didn't know where it was setting up, you know, like until the intro, we had no idea where, what was going down. I didn't even remember the, th- the, the trailers to be honest. And, uh, um, I don't remember them either. No. Blown away. So yeah. I'm just saying Amazing rap the hop, movie. like again, good rotten tomato score, 90 audience score, I think 88, um, the Adam score is a 9.5. Like I can't give anything a 10 out of 10 cause nothing's perfect, but this is as close as it gets. Like I would say so on so many levels. It's great. I've been talking for a bit. I want you to go first. What are some standout moments or things you really like in the movie? Well, just right off the bat, the cinematography like automatically goes up in this one. Like there's so many great shots. I actually, let me see if I can pull up my notes real quick. I wrote them down, but like so many great shots involving like fire and stuff. Like there's that shot yeah. of Koba and the sun touching heads, uh, right after Caesar's been shot. Uh, right. And right. I thought that was great. Uh, I thought this movie, I wrote down that I thought this movie post COVID and post Trump really reads differently. Like, oh, yeah. like, I don't know. You just read it through a different lens. And I thought it was even better. Like I thought it was amazing. Um, Overall tone is very Matt Reeves tone. Like when you watch all his movies, they all roughly have that like tone and he's like a master of, of that tone. Mm-hmm. Um, the Koba character to me is the standout character of that movie. He's so good. So good. Like throughout the entire movie, it's the whole movie. It's very Shakespearean. And like, that's what I think is like the strong aspect of this movie is that like, there's no clear Koba is definitely the bad guy, but at the same time, he's one of those bad guys that like you feel you understand why he's a bad guy and like you kind of like the humans even though created he's him. doing yeah well no humans created him yeah like when he the whole human work thing when he's pointing out the scars on his body yeah. and stuff like that like yeah so so good and that guy is played by i believe toby kebble and like ever since that movie i was like yo this guy it does an amazing job and he's a pretty quiet actor he doesn't do too much stuff but he really nailed that role in particular. And like that character is just so well-written. Yeah. Like um, you already mentioned the cinematography. One scene, obviously that stands out or sequence, I guess is Koba on the tank. Which... Yeah. Yeah. That's like probably the standout. That was like the one shot off the top of my head. Like I haven't seen Dawn in a couple years now at this point, And that's one of the shots in my head that I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember that shot. Yeah. And um, Gary Oldman, small role, but I liked him. I love, I forgot he was in it when he yeah. popped up. I was like, Oh, okay, great. Right on. This is awesome. Jason Clark, again, a, a very, uh, small, not very small, but a smaller role. And he doesn't, he's not allowed, you know, it's not a loud performance. It's, he's not a, you know, he, it's just, he's, I feel like he's the audience and Definitely. he's trying so hard to make peace. And we understand where he's coming from and we understand the human mistakes. We understand the eight mistakes. And that's probably the best thing I take. The best thing I like in this movie that I I take away is, is when like basically Caesar's arc in this, where he thinks that apes are superior than humans. And throughout his journey, he realizes that apes are no better. (laughs) Yeah. And there's always a bad egg and Koba is their bad egg. And I like the, again, like I think you said Shakespearean, you know, very Shakespearean, you know, the, the, the rise, the fall of characters and they have to rise again. I love that shit. It's very good. And Caesar's down to his, well, how they start off as brothers, basically Koba are brothers and they slowly get torn apart and they turn the tribe against each other and 
all that stuff. I thought Jason Clark was the better version of like the James Franco style character. Yes, of course, hundred percent. Um, but yeah, like very Shakespearean overall, and like they do such a good job of selling each side. Like you understand why the humans yeah. want what they want, but at the same time, you understand why the apes are doing what they do and like want what they want kind of thing. Yeah, and the topic of war as well. How the, again? I'm not a huge. Loved it. I'm not a huge history buff when it comes to war, but when you get to the final, you know, frame or scene of this movie where you realize this war was totally avoidable <laughs> and yeah. how we fucked it up both sides and how there's probably a lot of misunderstandings with, with big things like that. And, and 100%. Caesar just, you know, he, I forget his line to him at the end, but he's like, it's inevitable. They're coming for us. We have to deal with this. And, uh, and it's basically, you know, it's where we're at. We have to, and he, then he turns around and everyone bows to him and he, you know, and I like that you kind of have like the hail Caesar type moment, which is kind of cool. But, um, and then the final fight <laughs> with him and Koba is awesome. Well, between him and Koba. Yeah. Well, like, again, like that, that's the thing where action movies with this much, you know, political commentary in it and a really good screenplay and, like, emotion. and emotion and heart like this is just again this is as close as perfect as it gets to me because there's not a flaw in this movie i would love to talk to someone that can point out flaws because everything that is made that that filmmaking is made up of this is top notch like everything yeah, there i i remember thinking there was like a line here or there uh, sure that, if you want to uh, nitpick yeah stuck out yeah but uh overall yeah like like i said like this is a movie like like, I, I don't know if I've said it before on the podcast, but there's, like, a building list of movies that, are like, I can't wait to watch with Noah, especially as he gets older and we can get into the R-rated stuff. And this is definitely on that list. Like, it's just, yeah, it doesn't get much better than this, especially for, like, summer blockbuster stuff. Like, yeah. I was thinking that the whole time. It was just, like, the, you know what this trilogy reminded me of a lot was the Dark Knight trilogy, where, Ooh, like, the second yeah. one, the second one's the best one. It's all very emotional. Um... The third one is the second best, but yeah, like I kept thinking of the dark Knight and just like how, like everyone still talks about the dark Knight these days, but I feel like you don't hear about these planet of hate planet of the apes movies that much. And like for summer blockbuster entertainment, like if, if every summer blockbuster was half as good as this, like there'd be so many better movies out there. Well, we'll have to do a separate episode now because I actually disagree with you slightly because I don't think rides of the, or Dark Knight Rises is the second best one. I think Batman Begins is highly underrated. See, I haven't seen that trilogy in a long time either, but I do remember, uh, for all its flaws, I do remember liking Dark Knight Rises, but obviously the Dark Knight is the best of the three. Yeah, and I I, I like the comparison because it's totally right. I think all three of the Batman movies are good, and I think all three of these ones are good, for sure. And... Um, the strongest is in the middle, obviously. And as we know, with, with second acts of three act structures, it's the darkest for your protagonist. You know, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't end on a happy note, which this one basically doesn't either. A, a pending doom is on its way. And, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, this one was pretty easy to talk about because I have no critiques. Um, are we missing anything? Like again, you have the father son relationship too, which is good with Jason. All, well, that's all kid. part of the Shakespearean stuff. Yeah. Like, like yeah, the the father, like hit the father and the son being um, 
like the their infighting happening because of Koba and yeah. like like I said like post Trump era like watching this movie about how like each side hates each other hates each other and they don't really have a good reason other than some like you know stereotypes more or less essentially mm-hmm. like I I just loved everything about this movie it's it's top notch and like this is the movie like after this movie I was like okay Matt Reeve is is like a director to watch for sure. And I, when they announced Batman with Matt Reeves, I was so excited just cause just based off of this movie alone, I was like, that guy is going to nail Batman and I can't wait to see everything this guy makes. Yeah. He's, he's phenomenal. And that's why they wanted him back for the third installment. Uh, and I'm going to start a wrap the hop. I'm not a fan of the title. <laughs> No, I agree. I almost think from a plot perspective, like an overall plot, obviously there's things here and there that would have to get switched, but I think they almost should have made the overall plot of like the prison camp, the second movie, and then Dawn, the plot of Dawn, the third movie, because I thought for the finishing of a trilogy, it was a good movie, Mm -hmm. but I felt like it was really small. Like the whole movie's roughly contained to that yeah. prison camp. I, 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 I was, I agree with you. And I, I was, I was going for, <laughs> for the grammar as well. There's just something mm. about war for the no, planet of the that. apes. It just, it, it, again, it, that's very nitpicky. I, again, it's a title who cares at the end of the day, but it just right off the hop. It always gets me when I read them out. I remember even before I watched it, they're all there on Disney plus. I'm like war for the planet of the apes. Okay. Um, but anyways, I, I digress. Um, Another big budget, 150. Uh, it did well at the box office, but not nearly as good as Dawn. Uh, it mm-hmm. got it made just as much, or just a little bit more than Rise uh, at 490, uh, 490 million, and it has a Rotten Tomato score of 94 percent, so higher than yeah. I disagree with than that, Dawn. So yeah. do I, and that's that's a critic score, and then the audience score it, score is 84 percent. Um, so yeah, uh, do you remember seeing this in the theater? I definitely saw it in the theater and you know what? I didn't remember much about this movie until I watched it again this week. And that is a fucking dark movie. And I remember very dark. not like, I, I remember not liking it as much, but clearly my head was up my ass, I guess a little bit because <laughs> I do not remember how dark this movie got. And this movie gets pretty dark fairly quickly and stays consistently bleak almost throughout the entire thing yeah the only it, do you know what it reminds me of now that we have it it has a few similarities to endgame where there's a few different tones or maybe yeah. not tones but like a little bit of genre because endgame you have like this starts off as this drama then it becomes a heist movie then it becomes a huge action blockbuster this mm-hmm. is like it's like an escape movie that they have to escape from prison. It becomes like the great escape at some point. Then it's yeah. really heavy drama and scenes with Woody Harrelson and talking about war. And, um, and then you have the comedy with, um, bad ape in it, which I yeah, like. I thought that I, I didn't, I, obviously the performance is great. Yeah. Uh, I love Steve's on, but, um, I thought it felt out of place considering how dark the rest of the movie was. Yeah, maybe, again, nitpicking, maybe they could have toned it down a little bit. There, I'll admit there are a few moments that made me laugh. I love when they're – I forget the context of it, but they're basically saying we have to do this, we have to go back in or whatever, and they look at him, and his response is just silent, and it's just, no, no. Like, I love how scared <laughs> he is. Like, it worked for, for me for most of, most of the movie, but – 
you could have pulled it back. The big thing for me, and again, I've talked about length before. It's a little long. Um, you could have definitely trimmed it in spots too. I think Don had the perfect pace, like just over two hours is perfect. This felt, uh, felt its length for sure. I still love it though. There's a lot to love about this movie. And to just to quickly touch on the, um, motion capturing. So basically you have the first movie, then you have the second one when they're outside, like you said more. And there's a, a lot of rain, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, the mood for that movie was per- like the yeah. whole dawn is like ba- the whole entire movie. Like it's like overcast and it like works perfect. Yeah. And then this movie, you have the motion capturing in rain and snow and to give this movie any crown, they the motion capturing and visual effects and everything are incredible. That they are, especially when you see the like the snow on the hair. Oh my god! Stuff. When they're running on the when they're on the the horses when they're doing the chase scene and the ending and then like even when they splash water when he's tied up. Like, yeah. Oh my god! I, I it just it continues to blow me away. And then I think and you can make the argument that his his. His best performance is the second one, but I mean, he is so freaking good in this one. War Don doesn't matter. He he's phenomenal. He carries this movie, but you have oh, a lot of sure. good supporting performance. I love Woody Harrelson in it. I think it's intriguing. And again, from a just to jump to the humans in this and how brutal he is. But again, you understand why he's doing what he's doing. You don't have to like it, but it's kind of the humans that like like a last ditch effort to do. Yeah, you know? and he's like the villain of the humans of the apes. You know what I mean? Like the humans are coming to kill him. So I like that yeah, angle. He was like, I, like that um, angle he, the movie. I can't remember the character name. He was very, tons of, uh, apocalypse now, like Marlon Brando vibes. Oh yeah. Him. And Robert Duvall. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I thought he was, I thought he was good. I love Woody. Obviously. I think he's great in, in pretty much everything I've yeah. seen him. In. I can't think of anything he's bad in, but, um, I think, I think he did good with what was asked for him for this, but like clearly, yeah, the stand like this, this one had me pretty glued. Like, like I told you, I didn't get to watch this one in its entirety in like one sitting. I had to kind of space it up a bit, but like, it was like a TV show. Like I was like eager to get back to the movie and be like, Oh, this is really good. I need to see how like this plays out because I have almost no memory of how this all plays out. Yeah, the the camp stuff, like, again, everything in it is pretty much good. It, again, I, I liked your little mentioning of, of swapping the movies because it is it is weird, and the ending seems a little tacked on where it just ends with an avalanche. When he di- well, no, no, no. Well, the, the, avala- the avalanche was fine. I thought him dying was a little tacked on. Like, it just felt like he died for the sake of dying. Well, no, I, I think, again, you mentioned Shakespeare in for the second one. This one, uh, he had a lot of, like, Moses vibes in this. Kind of yeah. taking them to the promised land, and he doesn't get to join them. Like, he sees it in sight, and he dies. Like, it's very Moses, very biblical. I have no Definitely. problem with that, and I like... Uh, I forget the character's name. The, the I don't know what the, 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 the ape or gorilla is, but... Uh, uh, Maurice, Maurice, the Maurice his his kind of right hand man, Maurice. When he, yeah, I love Maurice. I yeah, and he, he I think it's I think it's pl- double check this while I'm talking, Chris. I think it's played by a girl. I don't know her name, but uh, phenomenal. Have to check. Well, there's really no vo- he doesn't he doesn't talk. Yeah, it is played by a woman. It's all sign language, uh, but yeah. he does he doesn't talk till the third one. I don't think he yeah. says anything in the yeah, second he, one. He's all or, yeah, all sign language till the end. But even. His moment. I love that too. Yeah. And I don't know if the ape is supposed to be a girl or a boy. I have no idea. <laughs> the name's Maurice, so I'm assuming. I it's... think he's a bo- I think he's a boy. Okay. Uh I think it's a male character, but okay. um I loved all the sign language stuff. Like I like in Dawn how like 
there's almost no talking. Yeah. Well, I guess we didn't the mention first, that. like yeah. 10 to 20 minutes. There's like almost no words being spoken. It's all sign language and sound effects. Yeah. And there's a good, and, uh, yeah, there, I just love that. Uh, I love that aspect of the sign language. It's very cool. There's a good moment to, uh, again, this one has a few callbacks to the original, the case in point Nova, uh, she gets the little girl that can't speak, obviously very yeah. reminiscent of Nova in the original Planet of the Apes. And he gives her the key and, and Maurice names her Nova and all that, which it was all good. I like that. I like too how Caesar, Caesar was the one who wanted to leave Nova and it was Maurice yeah. that said, no, we can't lose our humanity. So this movie still carries on that theme at like to a really good level where, Again, Caesar is dealing with, again, what he just went through with Koba and everything else. And they're still constantly battling this, this, you know, what is the right thing? Yeah. What is the inner demons for sure? But what is the right thing to do? We don't want to be the villains, but we also have to stand up for us as well. And we don't want the human race to go away. We never did. The virus was a mistake and it was humans that did it. It wasn't even them. Yeah, well, that's what I'm talking about with, like, the Trump stuff. And, like, yeah, I, I feel like it all kind of relates to that message around that culture. And, it like, I like like I said, I thought it hit differently watching it this year versus a handful of years ago. Cause just because, like, it goes to show you either these guys were ahead of their time writing this movie or humans are so fucking predictable that it's almost pathetic. Well, but, uh, it's good that you bring Maurice that up. Maurice is such a great character. In this movie, in the cave, uh, th- something I pulled up, or I, I figured out and saw it clear as day when it was happening. It was just in the background. But when they're going through the caves, there's just a marking on the wall and it's just history written three times and history yes. repeats itself. And I, again, that's just constantly, Oh, you know, that's a good idea. I didn't put that. Together. Yeah. And I, I remember seeing that in the theater the first, I'm like, wow, I just went right into my subconscious. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like this is humans continue to do this over and over and over again. And this is their last ditch effort. And they still, they're, they're, they're going there to annihilate Woody Harrelson and his team and hopefully the apes as well. And it's just, and again, I, this is where the title kind of makes sense, but it's just a weird title because there's no real, like the war in this movie is internal. There is not an actual, like yeah. saving private Ryan world war two, you know, and all that, like, and all that, it's all internal. And you have a lot of scenes. I love the scenes with Woody Harrelson and Andy Serkis. And it's great that Andy Serkis eventually directed him as Carnage and Venom. Yeah. But their scenes together are so great. And I think Andy Serkis did such a good job of humanizing uh, and making Caesar relatable. You forget he's, oh, an he's ape. super relatable. Yeah. 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 I thought, well, you feel the most for him. Like, I thought in War, it's like the most clear cut. Uh, it's like apes versus humans, but oh, yeah. with going back to Dawn, it's still like you see both sides. And so you're like, you don't really know which side to root for because you get that there's just complications and conflicts on both sides versus in war. It's like clearly like Woody Harrelson and his gang are the bad yes. guys. And like, they, like we feel so bad for the apes, especially when they're all locked up and all that stuff and all the, all the stuff with the donkeys I thought was great. And Oh my yeah, God. The like, opening, the opening shot leading up to that the first opening little action scene. Yeah. It was great. And then again, like you were saying, making it a little more black and white, you know, a revenge story, like obviously Caesar's, uh, wife and, uh, and oldest 
uh, kid yeah, die. Yeah, that was crazy. And that like, was crazy this, that they killed off Bright Eyes, like especially how like prominent he was in the second. So one, dark, and then, like it, like. And then within the first twenty minutes, I think they kill him in war, yeah. which was crazy. And that great shot of Woody Harrelson with, with at the waterfall, looking back, and then yeah. he goes to shoot him, and then and then he like we've barely talked about the action in all these movies, which is a testament because they're action movies. But we're talking mainly about the story, but like the action in Dawn and War are phenomenal. Like it's yeah, well the action's great. I would say across the board, even in Rise, that last uh, scene, like the last uh, set piece on the bridge, is great. Oh yeah. But like what that's what like any any action director will tell you, and any like movie lover will tell you, like the best action movies are the ones that you feel for because like you get both sides of it, and like yeah. you can have your fun action movies, like your old Schwarzenegger movies and whatnot. But like when there's emotion behind it, like each beat, each moment, each hit has more weight to it at the end of the day. Yeah. No, no, for sure. This is much better than Commando. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Commando's pretty solid though. But yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Um, so what would you give War to to I guess you didn't really give a rating for Dawn, but wh- where do you Dawn, I would I would agree with you like 9.5, I 10 out of 10. As much as I love Dawn, I do think it could have been cut down to a solid uh like 2 I think it's yeah. 2 hours and like It's just like over. I think minutes. it's like 210. Uh, yeah, two ten. I think you could have easily trimmed that down to a solid two, and that would be yeah. a ten out of ten to me. There's just little beats here and there. Like once once Koba takes over the human side of things in the, like the second half of Dawn, there was moments here and there that I thought where the pacing kind of lagged. But overall, again, amazing movie. Like I like I said, I would watch that going forward. That's gonna be the one I revisit over and over again. Uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. I would probably agree with you. Around an eight point five. I was pretty hooked to it. It was mm. just super, super dark. Just like so much, so much stuff going on, especially post pandemic too, where like the virus mutates and they're killing people and like they can't talk and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, like very dark. I like I said, I don't remember the movie being as dark as it was, but um, I'd say probably yeah, a solid eight, eight and a half. Like it's it was still good overall, but I just think like in in terms of a giant overall story structure. It just feels small. And when you say war is like more meant to be internal, I think that makes way more sense because like, if you take it in the literal sense, it's like, there's doesn't no, feel like when you say no war, war. <laughs> wars feel big, wars feel expansive. Like I love the idea of um, the bad ape, like Steve Zahn's character. I love how he learned to speak and came from another zoo and he just caught the virus, but he knows how to talk and stuff. Like I wish they almost explored that idea a little bit more. Yeah. Cause you're, cause you're always focusing on this, like one colony of apes, like the apes that basically escaped from the first movie. Yeah. And I, and that idea introduces us to the fact that there are other, other colonies out there. And like, I imagine, you know, a professional storyteller could write something amazing where like the, the other um, colonies are infighting for what, for whatever reason. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I, I remember reading that. I think Andy circus was at like a comic con or something like that. And a fan asked him about, are there others out there? And I think he brought the idea to Matt Reeves or something. And that's kind of how that whole bad ape character was created, where they wanted to introduce the idea that other people out there or other apes out there and monkeys and stuff have been in, infected by the the virus and, and can talk and that and that's again why i stand by the character i like it i agree with you maybe a little bit too much at times but 
I liked when they were once Caesar was caught when it was I think him Maurice and Nova there might have been one other yeah. ape as well and uh, Rocket Rocket that's right and I like that whole element too and I love again to wrap it all up in regards to Ark you have a great moment with Caesar with a gun to the head of Woody Harrelson and he doesn't pull the trigger which is yeah. and again he ends up going out he he you know he sacrifices himself he dies and all that but just a great moment that's earned and this guy watch this guy kill his family and even sees and, and then you have woody harrelson going around killing his son and all these other people and you have caesar who's supposed to be an animal and he's the most humane <laughs> probably yeah. in this entire trilogy to the to a certain oh, for, degree. especially in that movie oh my god yeah yeah like maybe jason clark obviously was was very humane but just the whole point that they're supposed to be animals and they're supposed to be reckless and all this stuff and we're you know we treat them like shit and all this and at the very end of the day when he's got a gun to the head of the man who killed his family he doesn't pull the trigger and he i think puts the gun down or whatever and walks away and then woody harrelson pulls the trigger but just a great, great well, I thought one. that was great that it backfired. Like Woody Harrelson got the virus from yeah. Nova via the doll. Yeah. And like, it's all like, yeah, it all like he's leaving him to essentially suffer. Cause like Woody Harrelson basically had that whole monologue about how like, that's the worst thing that could ever happen Yeah, is the humans getting reinfected with this thing. So mm -hmm. it's definitely like bit him in the ass. So I would be like Caesar in that way too. Like, yeah. no, I'm not going to give you the quick death. Like you're an asshole. Like you're going to live with this. I always thought it would have been fun if he threw the gun out the window or something and then just walked away and made him lay there. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have anything else to say about these movies? We've uh, basically covered them all. Uh, again, our scores are, that's that's a pretty good trilogy. <laughs> I know you, I, like, like I said, like this is like the dark Knight. is very similar to the dark Knight trilogy. Like for blockbuster filmmaking, like, I honestly can't think of another trilogy of movies that have come out in the last 10 years that are rough, that are roughly summer movies. They don't have to be summer movies, but that are also all three are like solid movies and like Marvel movies almost don't count because of how interconnected they are with the other yeah. Marvel movies. But like, can you think of any other trilogy in the last 10 years that's just as good that's not Dark Knight or Planet of the Apes, basically? I've always grabbed it. It's not the same genre, obviously, but Toy Story has been very consistent. Even the fourth one was surprising. Well, Toy Story, Toy Story, yeah, obviously. I love Toy Story, yeah. but like those movies come out like it's almost like every five to 10 years the next oh, one I'm comes out. Oh, I'm in total agreement. This is rare. This is why it stands up and why I wanted to talk about it so much because – it doesn't happen. Usually the third movie is, 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 is weak, especially if you have a, yeah. and that's, what's interesting about this one. I think that worked for it. Number one, the first one wasn't a classic. And second, they changed directors because they say a lot of times, if it's the same director for all three, it's going to lose a little bit. Like they might get a little lazy or they might lose their magic, or whatever. I think Matt Reeves coming in for the second one did the best thing for this trilogy where you get a new vision, a new, creative mind and then he gets to bring it all home with the third one as well and i mean and you I get feel like yeah. after watching after watching dawn and war and then going back to rise like seeing like the good nuggets in rise of like like what we talked about earlier but like the coba setup and stuff like i feel like if only matt reeves had directed the entire trilogy that like thematically we could have got some really great stuff that would have like stuff that was set up in the first movie that would have paid off in the third movie. And like, clearly he wanted, he, he obviously 
hit some story points from the first movie, but for the most part, he largely ignores that entire first movie. Yeah, and it's kind of like, I, I like to think of maybe like the Alien franchise too, where you have James Cameron, who did an amazing job with the second one. But I think yeah. because another director did the first one, Ridley Scott, I think another filmmaker seeing someone else and go, oh, I love this, but I can do this with it. I can yeah, do this. True. And it'd be interesting to see in an alternate timeline, like in this multiverse we live in nowadays, um, Matt Reeves directing all three of them. Would Don have been as good if he had done the first one? I think that'd be an interesting uh, experiment to, to see because you can make the argument and say because he didn't direct the first one, he made the second one that much better by picking and choosing yeah. what he liked in it and, and then and taking what he wanted and going on his own his own path because it's there's no guarantee or maybe he does the first two they're great and then the third one sucks like well yeah from what i had what from what i had read um i guess rupert wyatt was offered the second movie but basically they had to meet that 2014 release date and the first one came out in 2011 and i didn't get too many details but basically he didn't think he'd be able to make a solid follow-up with that short amount of time so the the studio had to like pivot quickly. I can't remember why they picked Reeves, but basically Rupert Wyatt Rupert Wyatt left because he basically couldn't didn't think he'd be able to pull it off. And then Matt Reeves came in, but basically his main thing, even though he didn't really have much gravitas to his name that he does now, he was just like, I want to do this. This is my vision, and if I can't do my vision, then I don't want to do it. Amen. And I guess I guess they believed in the vision so much that. Obviously, it worked out quite well for them. That's how you go. Well, I mean, the same. I, I think Ryan Johnson did the same thing with Last Jedi, and that didn't really pan out. <laughs> uh, say what you okay. I'm not gonna go to battle for Star Wars. I actually like the Last Jedi quite I, a bit. I remember, I remember watching that one in the theater, and every time they subverted your expectation, I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" <laughs> and then it really lost me in the third act. When why does every fucking Star Wars movie have to end with them blowing up a base. It drives me nuts, but we're not talking about Star Wars. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I don't think Last Jedi is as bad as people make it out to be, but I was just going along where I just love when filmmakers are confident enough and they have a vision and they want to make the movie their way. And I love when they're given that it doesn't work all the time, but in this case it worked in spades and we need more of this where let let the filmmaker make their movie give them you know some advice and help along the way but let them make their movie and let it succeed or fail on its own terms and i like and yeah, and, and, and that's what you get you get these amazing gems that come out unexpectedly and that's what happened with this entire trilogy specifically with don but i i, I walked out shocked with rise as well and war brought it all home so i'm very happy with it and i i appreciate you joining me to talk about this chris no problem. While we were while you were just chatting there, I was just looking up because I had heard of another. They were working on another one. Oh, okay. Um, and I just wanted to quickly see what the like news was on that. And apparently, in June 2022, the film's title was revealed to be Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Oh. And it was supposed boy. to start filming this August, right now. In the future, June 20th, Ball entered early negotiations to develop two additional films, which will complete a new trilogy and serve as sequels to the Matt Reeves, Rupert Wyatt trilogy of films. So I don't think it's, I, I, I haven't heard anything other than that. I don't know, obviously, if it's shooting or not, but it sounds like we might be getting some more Planet of the Apes movies sooner than later. Well, stay tuned then. It's coming back. 
Yeah, hopefully we'll see. I don't know who. Uh, I didn't see who the director was. Apparently, the director Wes Ball was announced <laughs> as the director of the next film, and he did the Maze Runner. So yeah, looking forward to that. <laughs> well, maybe we'll just maybe we'll just keep these three movies in high regard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it it really just go back to goes back to Matt Reeves and like. Uh, uh, like I really thought he did a great job overall with um, the Batman. The Batman, like what we talk about all the time, is a little bit on the longer side, but overall, I just thought he nailed. He was like the perfect tone and and direction and like every across the board. That movie just was great, and so I look forward to everything that Matt Reeves does does going forward. Specifically, just because Dawn just hit it out of the park so well that, like I said, I'll follow that guy for a while. I'm with you, man. I agree. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. This was great chat. And just uh, as a little teaser, uh, Chris's next mission, uh, preparing for his uh, return to the podcast, uh, he will be jo- uh, journeying into the wonderful world of Wes Anderson. And we'll be back uh, down the line here. And we'll be talking some Wes Anderson. So uh, look forward to that. Chris will be back. And thanks for coming this time, Chris. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, look forward to uh, getting around to Wes Anderson, one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to that as well. And until next time, Chris, take care, man. Thanks, buddy. You too. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye.